0: Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema. For your free thirty-day trial, go to mubi.com/filmstage. On my side of the Back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of The Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for the FilmStage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. And with me today, we have, coming back after a sabbatical, Michael Snydell. Hello. I have a taste for moonshine now. Yeah, as well you should. As well everyone should when a banjo starts <laughs> playing. We also have Bill Graham. I'm slapping my knee. (laughs) And a special guest today we have with us to talk about Leave No Trace, Jared Mabark. Hello. Hello. How are you doing today? Glad to be
1: here. Very good.
0: I'm waiting for the person who's like, God, I've been dreading this. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like someone must have felt that at one point when they're like, oh God, I'm going to be on that fucking show. But... <laughs> to present, no one has responded that way. So that's good news. Anyway, as I said, we are here today to talk about Leave No Trace, the newest film from writer director Deborah Granick, who previously had done Winter's Bone and this movie stars, Thomas and Mackenzie and Ben Foster. Is can I say favorite of the show Ben Foster? We're all like super hot on Ben Foster, right?
2: Even when he's a hot fucking mess in Warcraft, yes. I mean,
0: he always plays like some level of hot fucking mess, right? This true, true, yeah. true.
3: Okay. A different kind of unhinged than usual in this movie.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Quietly unhinged. Um so let's uh yeah, we'll we'll get into it. Well, first all the normal stuff. Um yeah, before we get into <laughs> that. Jared, do you have anything that you'd like to plug up front?
1: Uh not really. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't th- I, guess, th- I uh, don't think film he's stage, Film Stage is, you know, my main outlet, so I guess uh keep keep listening and uh reading over there. Hell yeah.
0: <laughs> that's uh that's our home base. And um you know, <laughs> if you want to find uh this show, it's the <laughs> Film uh Film Stage show on Twitter, uh the Film Stage show on Facebook. Email us podcast at thefilmstage.com. And uh of course you can give to our Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the film stage show for as little as one dollar an episode. You get access to our super cool Slack channel and uh everything that is ensconced within there. Uh you'll also have the opportunity to win some super cool raffle stuff, and you get the uh sense of achievement that comes with knowing that you helped to forge a space for bold new voices and cinematic criticism. Um, it was hard to say that with a straight face. So let's move on. We're also brought to you by MUBI, the online streaming cinema. MUBI has some super cool stuff. Um, one of the things is uh, Ryuchi Sakamoto's CODA, which is uh, opening exclusively at the New York Film Society of Lincoln Center. And this is one of their theatrical releases, which is always a treat. Um, so if you are going to be in the area, definitely check that out.
3: I haven't seen that film yet, but that album from last year, that same name, Coda, is uh, pretty fantastic and we're checking out. So I'm, I'm looking forward to checking that out when I, whenever it comes to Chicago.
0: Yeah, stupid and, New um, York. I know. Speaking of stupid <laughs> New York, uh, certain <clears> things <throat> will feature Q&As with Sakamoto. So suck it, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Only me. All right. Uh, for a full <sighs> list of screenings across the US, however, you can go to coda.movie.com and uh, check that out. Now, also, Bill, we all know how you feel about mm. long movies. Mm. Yeah. Something Yeah, <laughs> I know. Just the other day. Oh, no. Norte, The End of History by Long.
2: Yes.
0: <laughs> Clocking in at a brisk 250 minutes
2: it is how many of, how many hours does that oh who i mean 50. like over four uh 120 to 40 four hours and 10 minutes uh, <laughs> i suggested
3: this for our classic film and
0: apparently you Ain't know nobody got time for that I have, a, I have a child that i have to keep alive i don't have to uh, Uh, And this is part of their series called The Long Take. Uh, It's a two-part ode to The Long Take, a bravura technique of using camera shots of extended duration rather than conventional style of rapid cutting between shorter shots. So this is one of those. The other one is Victoria, which is another great film that I keep meaning to watch. Oh, yeah. So, Yeah. yeah. I saw that. If you'd like to check out those two awesome films, you don't have to live in New York, just need an internet connection. And you don't even need money. You can go to Mubi.com slash filmstage. That's M U B I dot com slash filmstage. And you can get a free month trial on us. Thank you, Moo. Yeah. All right. But we're here to talk about Leave No Trace, the newest film from, again, writer director Deborah Granick. This stars Ben Foster and Thomason McKenzie. And it is about a father and daughter who live. In the woods just outside of Portland, and uh, what they have to do to keep their relationship and their lifestyle alive once they are caught and forced into society. So let's all get comfy, wrap up warm, put a tarp over our heads, and get ready to listen to the trailer.
2: It's not a drill. You got him.
3: Stand up. You alone out here? My daughter's with me. Dad? Let's go. Can you tell me where you live? In the park? There's 435 questions. <clears throat> Respond true or false to each
1: question. Who taught you how to read? My dad teaches me. You're actually quite a bit ahead of where you need to be.
2: I wake up, rest, and All right,
0: that is the trailer for Leave No Trace. It is out in limited release now, so let's talk about it. Jared, one of the reasons you're here is because you gave this film a perfect five out of five on the estimable letterboxed. I did. Yeah, so we wanted to, uh, to drill into that and uh, see what about this movie made you give it the rarefied. Five out of five stars. So, why don't you kick us off with your basic spoiler free thoughts on um, no Trace?
1: Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, what the fuck, man? <laughs> I take it no one else did.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I I'll just, you know, spoilers for my thoughts, but I'd give it like a four.
3: Yeah. Not a five, though. I haven't given anything a
0: five in 15 years. <laughs> Michael is dead inside. as normal casual listeners will know
1: (laughs) i probably give on average four to seven a year because to me uh, that's a four star but because letterboxd uses the 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 five star it just i just move it to that because i know some people they'll if they give something a four star they'll put four star in letterboxd and suddenly some have four and a half some have five and it's just confusing to me so uh four star is five star but uh, yeah, ten out of ten. I, I'm I'm a big Deborah Granik fan, and uh, I thought a great progression um, through uh, her filmography. Uh, she started as documentary. She moved into Down to the Bone. Um, ended up going to the Ozarks, and that's where she filmed Winter's Bone. She ended up meeting uh, the guy who became the subject of her documentary Stray Dog, who was a a veteran suffering from PTSD. And it kind of gravitates to this. So if you kind of see her whole career through this film. She has a great way of letting the actors tell the story through performance. You don't really need to know a lot of backstory. You can see it all from them, from how they interact. And uh, it, it's just a real emotionally powerful film for me. So uh, I don't know. That's why.
0: All right. Bill Graham, what did you think of Leave No Trace?
2: Um, having been a fan, a, a big fan of Winter's Bone, um, I really enjoyed this film a lot. Uh, it is quiet. It is not your typical, you know, summer release by any means. Um, but it is fully engaging and it is quiet and meditative in a way that, like, uh, like I mentioned, like a lot of films releasing around this time period are just you know very boisterous and very loud and this film is very quiet and it builds tension in a way that like just reminds you of of kind of older movies and things like that so um i really enjoyed it the performances are fantastic um hopefully we see thomason in the future um yeah, it's 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 a really good film. I just don't know. Everybody's going to be able to kind of pull different things from it, and some people's, you know, mileage may vary. And I know I've said kind of quite a few handful of cliches by this point, but I mean, really, what you get out of this film is kind of what you put into it. I think so. I really enjoyed it in, in that way.
0: All right. Cold, black hearted Michael Snydell.
3: You know, uh, Deborah Granick is someone who uh, I've liked a lot in recent years. Um, or I shouldn't say in recent years. Winter's Bone was something. I-, I mean, like many, that's where I originally saw Jennifer Lawrence, and I was just kind of really. Um, I- blown away it might be a little hyperbolic but that was really a performance and the direction of that film was something that uh really surprised me but it wasn't in fact until uh stray dog which uh jared already mentioned which is a wonderful doc that may be on netflix and i may be totally wrong but if you can find it uh it's absolutely worth um, looking into even as just a companion piece to leave no trace. And um, I think what Stray Dog clarified for me is uh, that, that like <laughs> really thorny word of authenticity that we bring up a lot when we're talking about uh, communities and um, the way that people live. And when it becomes exploitative and when it feels immersed in you know like a real human is trying to uh put on the screen real human behavior and so i think leave no trace is in that same lineage of of a film that i think it is almost easy to under underrate because i think restrained is you know that kind of operative word here but i think in um Kelly Reichert's films, they're kind of quietly revolutionary. Um, at any given time, like leave no trace reminded me of everything from, um, uh, from, uh, good time to the, the endless to, um, you know, other things that are in this milieu. And I think that's because that this is as much a film about a father and a daughter as the way that, um, people deal with the systems and uh, trying to find places in communities. And I think that the way that Granick so empathetically, um, perhaps even too empathetically at at times, because I think some parts of this movie, while beautiful, the pacing I, I think could be tightened a little bit, even if it would mean losing some of these wonderful moments, but that type of humanity as as often as it's a word people use for filmmakers, it's so rare to see it in such a pure form as you do in this movie. So like Ben Foster and Thomason are, are, are fantastic and we can talk about them further, but I almost think that Granick's touch here. Um, I don't want it to be forgotten. And I think that's part of why this is like, this is one of the most emotional experiences I've had watching a movie in a while, even if I don't, think it's a a perfect film um it's been a while since something hit me so consistently
0: yeah for me i, I guess I, I share a lot of uh, the same feelings as you, you guys um starting off with the like most evident reaction I had after this um like holy holy shit, Thomason is just a phenomenal actress with like a true movie star face. Not even related to her looks, but just in the way she can deploy, like, the subtleties of her expression to convey so much emotion and turmoil and thoughtfulness. And I was just like, I wanted to leave this movie and then just immediately go watch another movie with her in it. Um, (laughs) It's, like, just, just like, incredible, incredible work. Uh, Ben Foster... I am a huge. Uh, I don't. I don't think that we have come up with a stupid fan name for him yet. But I'm one of those, whatever they are. And he is doing a great. foster child.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm a foster child. Oh That's my perfect. god! Oh my god! That's Thank you, amazing. Michael. <laughs> so yeah, I'm a hashtag I'm, I'm uncomfortable with this foster child. <laughs>
0: This Is am... as bad as
2: nubile. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is as bad as
0: Bill not knowing what nubile means. Um. So yeah. So t- I like you know Thomason. I'm I'm on board and, you know, I'm a foster child. I'm I'm there for Ben Foster. I think he's doing a lot more subdued work here than he's usually asked to do, which is always nice to see. You know, this isn't another World of Warcraft or Three Ten to Yuma. Um. He's do he's getting the opportunity to flex his like quieter character work in a way that even hell or high water was like, yeah, but every once in a while, can you go nuts and shoot someone? Um, and, and yeah, the movie is just like a really great understated character study with like lush photography, great lingering moments of humanity. I feel like it gets a little draggy. I feel like, you know, you could have pared it down a little bit, but I, I kind of agree with Michael where the shagginess gives you the opportunity to kind of linger in these moments and see some like truly beautiful interactions that you know if the movie were to be as lean and mean as perhaps it should be you wouldn't get so it's a trade-off and i'm happy retrospectively that everything was in there but in the moment i could feel myself going like all right but like we're doing this again <laughs> like <laughs> i get it i understand but then they they'd have a moment i'd be like ah oh, but it was worth it for that okay you've you've earned my forbearance again movie so you yeah, kind of got guess, the
3: sense that she didn't want to leave some places. Yeah, I mean, and
0: I can get that. When you have, like, characters this rich and situations this this rich, It's it it's can be easy to get lost in them and want to linger in them. So, yeah, four yes, stars. I,
1: huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I kind of like the lingering because it it really kind of emphasized the two of them kind of approaching a point where they have to looking at life differently for the first time, you kind of see how his impatience of, and her impatience of not wanting to go back to the woods kind of, it it was a really nice way to see that just through their silence with each other.
0: Yeah. I mean, watching their kind of quiet harmony break down as she starts to experience more of the world and like see what she's missing and realize that, you know, she likes it and never be made to like it is it's it's a journey worth going on. And um, I don't know, like I was sitting there in the movie theater, just like enraptured most of the time, obviously, like I said, towards the middle, I was like, is this how it's going to end? I just I guess part of me was just so in love with the characters that I was almost like worried about them in a way that made it be like, just I wish I knew how it ended. So I didn't have to spend every moment wondering, is this it? I think it's mm.
3: equally and I really don't think this is a spoiler at all is that it like it doesn't indulge in any drama like like the things that happen um, are, aren't like you're you're not feeling some scenario being forced at any situation. And it's not only just like that. It's organic to the character motivations, but the fact that you're not feeling that hand only makes all, all of those moments. um yeah, I guess feel more pure. I guess I'm, that's my word of the day.
2: <laughs> in, in in some sense, you know, I think, I think it's interesting because these characters are obviously around each other pretty much 24 um, seven. There's rarely a moment when they're out of each other's sight for, for very long. And so with that comes a certain familiarity where just when they, at, at some point, uh, tom is a point where that's like you know a a big major film and it's like okay if you're not up if you're not ready for that to be like the mate like a major conflict point (laughs) get ready (laughs) because this movie doesn't have much more than that really i mean Uh,
0: you have to invest in their relationship and wanting what's best for each of them and for each other as like a unit and you know i think that we see a lot of not a lot of movies are willing to just make that the central, the central rooting interest. Mm -hmm.
2: And it's interesting because, you know, this, like Michael was kind of hinting at this film does not. And, uh, you know, I don't, I think this film, the way that we can talk about it is kind of the themes that, that happen, especially, you know, early on and things like that. But, uh, you know, this film, doesn't really put like an asshole in the way like there's <laughs> like like people in this film are just genuinely good And so there is no like oh that there's the big bad person like no none of that shit happens like these people just have to work within the confines of a system that is rooted against them and they're constantly trying to push towards you know different boundaries and and see what they can kind of you know get away with and for how long and being on the move because they understand that the system is not there to support them and what they're trying to achieve um you know the system is certainly there to help them in many other ways but not in their specific way which is unfortunate
1: you know and, no please uh, go ahead point too uh without having like like a villain or anything i think it it really does a good job of showing p t s d and not as an evil thing like it's not like a stop loss where like you know Ben Foster's just gonna start going aggro and and like he's dangerous he's he's only really dangerous to himself in this, and I think that's something that you don't see very often that we're actually just the psychology itself is the bad guy, and how they combat it is is the struggle that they're dealing with
3: like i another I should really just say to add to what you're saying, I, I think the other thing that's really smart there is to not make it a time bomb as well. Like sure. it, it's not the it, it's not that he's, you know, um going to detonate. After he's heard this computerized voice, like just rapid fire shooting questions at him, this man slowly like is just like. I, I, he you know, he has to do this little spiel at first where he's if it abstain from too many questions, um, it's not gonna count and we're not gonna get a the right psychological profile for you and you know, uh, we wanna help you. And and he like starts going through the questions slowly. Um, and it was just a moment that uh is not something you see because I, I mean, I think the obvious way to represent uh system is something along the lines of um Not the DFC, sorry. Uh, You know, these types of groups that deal with uh, homeless people or various other marginalized groups, like they are perceived immediately as a person who's going to separate families, who's going to make your life more difficult. And that's like there, but it, it also becomes implicitly about that bad people or, you know, broken or wounded and I, I just think the way that it continues to expand um, that perspective is just, I, I don't know, I can't say enough about that. And that's what I've really taken away from this um, movie, I guess.
1: I, I wouldn't be surprised if that guy is, is real and in Winner's Bone, the, the uh, military recruiter is real. like she, she wants that authenticity of someone doing their job that no one could really be duplicate
0: someone had brought up i think it was michael but um i was like i guess you know families and liking each other a bunch. <laughs> but like in good time i think i read that the uh bail bondsman in that movie was yes. a real bail bondsman and yeah. that's how you were able to get his his just perfect yeah this is a scuzzy job and you're a scuzzy person and i'm kind of over it because it's like and yeah i feel like there was a lot of that in this movie uh even especially even even from people who I knew were actors and I love Dale (laughs) Dickey. And I love just that saying like, you know, there's like, they're not putting an asshole in their way. And even like these systems that are not ideal are still not treated with like the levels of horror that they often are in films like these. I mean, even I just, I kept waiting for that to happen. Like when they go to the Christmas tree farm, I kept waiting We've been mm-hmm. conditioned What was that? We've been conditioned Yeah, I was waiting for like The social worker to leave And then The guy who played the super on New Girl Who I should probably look up his name But I kept expecting him to be like Alright, now she's gone. Oh,
2: Dan yeah. Cober Or something like that That's possible go ahead, um, go ahead
0: But yeah, I kept expecting him to be like Alright, now that the supervisor's gone Like, you're not gonna talk to the horses <laughs> You're gonna go out there You're gonna pull these trees up with your hands You son of a bitch And I just, like, every time that that didn't happen, and every time that they were just met with me in forbearance, like, she picks up this rabbit on the side of the room. I'm a super cool, really nice, like, FFA kid who wants to build a tiny home. Like, I just was like, this is, like, how life usually is. Like, when I meet new people in my life, oftentimes they're, like, super interested to share their interests and get to know someone. And, like, I just... But movies have... Movies have, like, conditioned me to think that anyone who's nice to you is, like, uh, one of the bad people from the, um, an American tale, and you're the five of the mouse, and they're just going to try to exploit you. And so oh it's just fun to see that empathy on screen and then see that, you know, paradoxically, you don't need someone to be a living, breathing nightmare for them to not be where you need to be and for them to, or for you to, you to feel like you need to leave. Like yeah. it was every time that he started like packing that bag, I was like, "But why? These people are so fucking nice. You get to work on a Christmas tree farm. It's pretty cool." But like, you know, obviously in that moment there are triggers, and in every other moment, you know, you start to learn that maybe he doesn't like the being to... near people.
2: Maybe he doesn't like the smell of pine.
0: <laughs> it reminds him of the car he once had. <laughs>
1: An interesting aside: the uh, the guy who played the farmer was Jeff Cober and uh, on Sons of Anarchy, because I know you guys did Soldado last episode, he played Taylor Sheridan's brother in Sons of Anarchy. Oh. Really? Just as a, a a crazy aside, there.
0: That is a crazy aside. It's a little more relevant than my the super from New Girl comment, <laughs> <laughs> just slightly. Anyway, New Girl on Hulu. Check it out; it's really good. Um, uh, have we coming to movie soon? Yeah, coming to movie is the giant New Girl retrospective. Um, <laughs> have we spoken enough in the the non spoiler section? Are we ready to talk about kind of where this movie goes and what it ultimately says?
2: Yeah,
3: I think I think so. I think some of the larger like if we want to have larger conversations about like fatherhood, like I kind of think it'd be interesting to talk about the parenting in this a little bit. But I think that's probably best to do it kind of ho- holistically. Is this the word I'm looking for? Ah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> in
0: right.
3: context to the entire film. So, so we're yeah. all
0: fans. We all think you should see it. Uh, your mileage may vary yeah, between the good. four and the five star range. But <laughs> this is definitely the kind of movie that I think everyone at some point says God, you know, I really just want to see an adult movie, and this is it, and it's filled with great performances, and you're going to want to be that asshole who, when Thomason wins her first Academy Award, you could be like, yeah, I saw her, and you know, she was great in that, but she was really good in Leave No Trace. <laughs> I'm 100% serious. I think that, like, no, she's wonderful. in a perfect world, she'd at least get a nom. All right, so spoilers. Don't, don't sigh at me, Michael. This is not a perfect world. <laughs> I'm not going to go into that. Really? Really? <laughs> Trump's not standing up to Russia and Aquaman looks terrible and you think this is a perfect <laughs> world? I, I mean, I think you mean perfect because that poster is perfect. <laughs> Let's just ask. The that. Echo of the Dolphin reboot is uh, going to be great. A 20-minute aside <laughs> to talk about how Aquaman's poster looks. Have faith in James Wan. I, you know, I want to. I really <laughs> do. But like... I have seen... DC does
2: not have a good track record. (laughs) I've seen
0: great people get crushed under the wheel of trying to make, like, a superhero film. So, I mean, I'm just, you know... However, if a dolphin does show up and its name is Echo, I'll be fine with it. I don't know why you make an Aquaman movie if you don't make it a stealth Echo the Dolphin film, too.
3: Jared, don't you do a poster column, or am I totally off? I do. I do. Yeah. What what so in the that, world are you gonna say about this Aquaman poster?
1: <laughs> I think uh somebody on Twitter put it next to Finding Nemo and I thought that was just perfect because it, <laughs> it, it, they are calling him home.
0: I put it next <laughs> yeah, to just just
1: the proportions oh, man, I like think that was perfect. How those how those orcas work, I have no idea. They're but. so
0: <laughs> they're in such rigid formation. They're the blue angels of the mm-hmm. sea. Um, (laughs) oh what a bad movie that showed bill clinton having the same kind of half kneeling stance this uh this movie contains the most horrifying scene that you will ever see in a a year that is seen a quiet place and hereditary nothing nothing will scare me as much as watching someone open a hive of honeybees and then reach down to pick some up without clubs or a mask (laughs) This is crazy. Anyway, I just needed to get that out of my uh, system. So let's I thought you were going to say turn, bees. Return to the bees. That would, <laughs> I'm sorry, Father. I can't go with you. I found the bees. The bees are my home.
2: In, I'm the queen. In, in in another In another movie, she would have opened up that hive and... The lady would have been like running and been like, no, you don't know those bees. They don't know you. And it just swarms <laughs> on I her. I was 100%
0: sure that a, was going to happen. And list. it was going to teach her that like, you know, sometimes only like the person standing next to you is keeping oh, no, you safe no, from harm. No lessons. But no, the bees are just
2: totally cool with her. <laughs> No lessons, Brian. She would she would be dead. She yeah. would be dead. <laughs>
3: Isn't that the My Girl ending, or am I yeah, am I yeah, spoiling he, I a movie that, from 25 my years? My
0: Girl could go. be subtitled "The Boy Who Kicked a Hornet's Nest," because I'm pretty sure that's how he dies. Um, also, the ending of The Wicker Man. But anyway, Jared, enough of the bees. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. Sorry, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I love the ending. I, I love that that the movie isn't afraid to ask tough questions and and it it accepts tough answers like. If it it just would have been disingenuous if he stayed or if she left and that that kind of off the grid community was a good kind of midway point between that where she can still interact with him, even if she never sees him again. Um, I thought they set that bag of food up subtly enough that you knew where it was going, but you weren't sure if that was actually what was going to happen um i think that it going back to the the social workers question are you proud of your daughter like that she is all that's really kind of keeping him together so knowing that she's safe um really kind of allows him to finally let go and i think that the movie really builds towards the two of them proving to each other that that they can go it alone they don't have to protect each other because it really is kind of dual codependencies going on here she's trying to protect him from himself and he's trying to protect her from from the world and so uh, we really watch them realize that it's finally time to to go
0: yeah i mean yeah all right does anyone have anything to add to that or can we end this now (laughs) No, I mean, I, you know, I was watching this movie and I, I just like, there was a part of me that legitimately thought that this might only be the halfway point, like him packing (laughs) up again, her packing up too. I was like, I guess they're off again. And like, now they're going to end up in an even cooler place with even more chill people and less responsibility. And he's still not going to be happy,
2: but she, um, no, that, that they're going to end up at burning man. It's the
0: Pacific oh, no. Northwest, so it would probably be like Blunderbuss or something. What is it? Bumbershoot? <laughs> I, I don't I, know. I don't it doesn't know matter. It... Um, so yeah, when she when she puts the matches over his his neck, and just just that just that scene in the trailer, when he says "we" and she finally like makes the delineation like you, she just says "you" to him, and it's just like, yeah, what we've been doing is watching this girl grow up and self actualize. And, like, continue to love her father so much, but, like, realize that there's only so far you can go with your parent before you have to, like, make a choice for yourself. And when she <laughs> says, I'm not broken in the way that you are, it's just, like, it's heart-wrenching. Because I think that he's been waiting for her to realize that for her entire life. Because, I mean, he he's never been, like, trying to keep her down or or stop her from really like feeling and experiencing and thinking things for herself. And so I'm, I just, I just like in that moment when, when, you know, she's saying goodbye to him and he's like breaking down. I was just like, yeah, that's the culmination of probably like 16 years worth of like anxiety and, and knowing that this was coming. That's mm-hmm. that's rough. Yeah. It was just, it was like a heartbreaking scene and like the perfect, perfect little end, like the perfect way to, to make this happen. You know, again, not like a screaming match and you know I hate you dad and he's like you know this place will chew you up and eat you alive you know it's just like no it's mutual understanding and love and respect but the knowledge that you can't continue to exist together which should not be as radical as it feels and yet here we are mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. I, I think to uh, speaking formally of the shot after that uh, Michael McDonough's uh, choice to do kind of uh, a slow kind of, tra- not tracking drone, sorry, a, uh, I'm not remembering. Still. Today. Still. Uh, yeah, no, it's not a s- still, um, but the drone, uh, sh- uh, sequence as he's just walking on the road and then, uh, goes o- off the side and into the, you know, brush. I think- as well is such an interesting choice for a last scene, Cause I, I think, you know, drone photography is something we're starting to see, um, through blockbusters and, you know, in some independent films, but it's still something that with, you know, a few exceptions does feel pretty sterile to me. And I have to admit that that scene, uh, at the end really, really got me. And it was, it was weird being aware that I was, you know, in this, uh, you know, this a very electric perspective or, um, uh, but also being able to feel that emotion. So I, I, I did just want to point to that. And I think, Brian, you already said the cinematography is mm-hmm. gorgeous in this, but I, I think that, um, that as well as, how they uh how they shoot the woods is really fascinating in this movie because you know i feel like there are often two extremes that woods are placed into yet you either have it uh be I project a a form of like eerie stillness or this ominousness and i kind of like how this movie just as much of uh as any other part of it the photography also has this neutrality to it the, the possibility that mm-hmm. the the woods can be you know this crucible but also can you know um be giving when you need it to um so i i think uh, that as well was something that um, I, I guess I just didn't quite ex, uh, expect.
0: Bill, any thoughts?
2: Yeah, uh, I'll go ahead uh, and plug this interview I listened to with Deborah Granick uh, on Little Gold Men. And it was really fascinating because one of the things that she mentions right off the bat was that like the difficulties of of filming this film were more just normal filming things because she had a crew that was specifically like used to the pacific northwest and so when it rained they were just like okay cool no we, we know what to do in this in this case and we can continue to film and we can continue to shoot and she was talking about how Specifically, they didn't like she started to realize, okay, I have to take care of this environment too. I can't just, you know, shoot it the way that I normally would shoot a lot of things. So they Hmm. didn't bring in a lot of rigs, they didn't bring in a lot of you know, heavy equipment and stuff like that. And I think maybe that's why they use that drone footage towards the end and probably, you know, at several other points, they probably have different kind of camera rigs besides just, you know, uh, what is it called, cranes and things like that because, mm-hmm. you know, that, that would obviously be destructive to bring it into that kind of environment. Um, and I, I think her just recognition of the fact that this is a rainforest and the fact that this is you know kind of like protected territory it plays out in the way that like all the characters treat the woods and things like that and like just the way that it's shot like like michael's saying it's a very kind of neutral Way of shooting it. It's, it's, there's nothing ominous about it at all. And so I thought, I thought that was really interesting. But yeah, I mean, Honestly, if y'all enjoy this film, I think y'all would really enjoy uh, just listening to her talk about the making of it and the themes that she wanted to explore and stuff like that. Um, it really, it, it, in some ways, it enhances the experience of kind of watching a movie like this. Uh, I wish I would listened to it before watching it because I think I would have brought a lot more into the film as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Hmm.
1: And, and really, if you have an opportunity to listen to any of her interviews, um, she is is very good at just letting everything out. Like I, I I interviewed her for Winter's Bone, and I think we talked for like 40 minutes about Buffalo, about all these other things <laughs> that she just she just loves to she just loves to talk about her craft. And it's it's really kind of nice when you have so many other directors who kind of you know, give you like five word responses, she, mm-hmm. she will just keep going. And it, it's really great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's,
0: but I, it's really
2: interesting. It's really interesting that you mentioned that because one of the things she said during the interview on little gold men was that she was kind of fresh out of, out of con, I believe. And she was talking about how like, okay, Yes, this is this is nice that I've been able to have this experience or maybe maybe it was Vienna. I can't remember. But she was talking about how like it was a very stuffy inner, uh, uh post post movie Q and A and that it was only like 30 minutes or something like that and very few audience questions. And she was like, I can't wait to kind of get out into the audience and go through Q and A's and go through that experience to really get the feedback of like audience members and how people feel. She was, and she even pointed, she was like, you know, I've done some press interviews, but like, that's not, that's not what I'm really like looking to experience, and I was like, "What the hell? This person wants to do Q <laughs>
0: so, well, You can feel that just in the writing and the directing, like that 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 intimacy and that love of and curiosity for people. And
1: she's a humanist yeah, through yeah. and through. It's for sure. uh,
0: it's, it's kind of yeah. you know this is gonna sound super fucking pretentious, and I'm sorry, but this is kind of like the movie I'd want to make, where like you really take the time to like linger in the details maybe not of a person's whole life, but of their existence in an instant, you know, the way that we talked about just the, the, the way that the social workers like talked with these people and like the, the goings on, on the Christmas tree farm and the way that the people at the trailer park kind of interacted with one another. And that boy with his tiny home, I mean, like I just (laughs) fucking tiny (laughs) homes. It just makes everything about everyone (laughs) in this movie makes so much sense and feels so true. And that's, what comes of being a person who is interested in people and like their lived experience and the things going on in their lives. And so like, like I said, you know, we've, we've gone through a summer of a lot of bombast and a lot of madness and you know, that <laughs> it applies to movies as well as everything else. And so this was truly a nice respite from, from all of that. And, and just a, a good way to like reintroduce yourself to the concept of like, human empathy and caring
3: yeah absolutely i I think like i think the other thing that's fascinating in terms of uh i I guess in terms of the narrative of this film is that uh it it took her I, i believe it was five years to find funding for this film so inevitably she's also been um grouped together with Lynn Ramsey, who also took five years to get the funding to make uh, "You Were Never Really Here," so it it is it is an unfortunate and also potentially a little bit disingenuous to try to link some of the thematic material to the production struggles. But there is nonetheless um, a certain like uh, stronger ping of. Um, of desire for like wanting her to make m- more films and, and to be reminded that these kinds of films, as you're saying, Brian, like uh, the the dreaded adult yeah. drama that, you know, is not insanely violent or, you know, is something you'd be worried, you know, a eight-year-old would walk in on or something.
2: It's, like, it's rated it is. PG, isn't it?
3: Is I I did I saw that yeah. on MoviePass, and I didn't know <laughs> if that was correct. For so for I didn't so. say that. Yeah. Yeah. No, Th- I mean, that's true.
0: You know, as yeah, the, I, as the that's father of daughter, um, I would totally show her this movie and just be like, hey, check this out. Um and it's yeah, I mean, you know, there's no cursing, there's no it's it's funny though, because just like the reality of everything, I just sort of assumed that it was like R. <laughs> just because like you just, you're sitting there yeah. and you're like, alright, so they've been chased down by the cops and now the people in this, uh, I almost said orphan asylum, which cannot be <laughs> the proper term. Because you're foster, yeah, foster child. <laughs> yeah. You, you.
3: They're,
0: About
2: uh, you know, they're like... They're all uh, sure foster children. We're all foster we, we, children. Yeah, we're, we're foster oh, children no. over here. This is a foster
0: children podcast. Uh, that's going to get us into a lot of trouble. People are going to start thinking oh, that we're boy. making fun of kids who have foster families. Anyway... What I was going to say is like just the way that they say like so you know your dad and share shared tent like you know does that ever get weird like has anyone ever touched you in a way that you don't want and I was just yeah. like yeah there's your R rating because the MPAA is going to be like all over this and you know mm-hmm. uh, what is it people are in an uproar as they as happens like every three years or so they're in an uproar because eighth grade, eighth grade. is rated R for like yeah. five instances of like the word fuck. Fuck. Which yeah. we topped in like <laughs> the a blur first job. three minutes of this episode. So <laughs> coming for you, MPAA. Um, yeah, it just feels like anything that feels adult, they're going to slap some shit on, even if it is reflective of, you know, in the case of in the case of uh, eighth grade, like the lived experience of millions of children. And in this movie, you know, reflective of the lived experience, maybe thousands of children.
3: You know, I do have to say though, a part of me kind of wanted <laughs> this is this says a lot about my personality, that I wanted someone on here to be deeply offended by this movie. You know, like Brian, I, I know you and I had very strong reactions to Tully earlier this year, as your as your wife did on the episode. And I'm I am wondering whether anyone will see Leave No Trace. Um, and you know, not necessarily be reminded of their childhood, but You don't see it as some form of abuse and neglect. And I think it's far more, you know, uh, complex and intimate and intuitive about parenting than most um, movies specifically about parenting. But I am wondering if there's anyone who will see this and feel, you know, offended that this father isn't. My wife and
0: I famously refused to see Captain Fantastic unless someone told us at the end of the movie that he was like thrown in jail um because he is like we're living off the grid to be more authentic and you kids are going to be realer than other kids and all this other bullshit and um and you know without getting into the specifics that i'm sure she doesn't want me to share my wife had a father who wanted to live off the grid (laughs) and she was forced to do that for a while um this movie though doesn't it doesn't romanticize it, and he doesn't romanticize it, and she doesn't romanticize it. She's not like, I love nature. She's like, I love my father, and I want to be near him, and I don't want people to like break us apart. It's this. It's a very different situation, because this movie, just in like showing what their day-to-day is like, doesn't pull punches. It doesn't make it seem like it, and he's not trying to instill in her a kind of thorough... Ideal of like this is like real living, and those kids with their their touch pads and their eye clocks, you know they're not living a true authentic real life like we're living the real life. He's just like, you know, uh, you know they're not going to let us live the way that we want to live, and she's like, but I think I might want to live the way they want to live, and he's like, well, that's you know that's possible, that's cool, okay, yeah, but we have to go, and like you can feel that he knows that he's not one hundred percent looking out for her best interests but like he can't abandon her to this system as benign as it may be. It's still not what is best for her. You know, I think that we could say that and like she finds what's best for herself. And then sure. he has given her all of the intellectual and emotional tools that she needs to be able to see that and then act on it. And so I feel, I feel I like think- this movie defends itself from that accusation. If a person is willing to look for it, Jared, what were you going to say? Hmm.
1: I was going to say, I think it is presented as a necessity because uh, she doesn't remember her mother. So you have to assume the mother died when she was very young. So it was either do the only thing he knows how to do or put her through the system and and be put away from her. So I think it's it's less a choice than than an imperative and. so this is the only world she knows so that's there is no point of romanticizing it because she has no alternative there is no other family to go to um this is just how you live
0: yeah i don't know like i still like i i was i was halfway like i don't know if i want to watch this movie because of the concept of it being like (laughs) captain fantastic but which I still haven't seen because I've heard nothing to convince me that it's not going to be exactly what I feared. But this movie, like I said, I like in, in the way it couches it in his PTSD, in the way it shows like other marginalized veterans living a similar life, but you know, without the support system of a family. I mean, I, I feel like this isn't a movie that's saying like, maybe if we stepped away from our screens every once in a while and just drank moss water, we'd all feel better. Like this movie very clearly grapples with the, the reality of why he is doing this. He doesn't have any illusions about why he's doing it. And, you know, everyone's kind of like on, on board to try to like empathetically remove her and hopefully him from having to live that way.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, there's, uh, I, I read the book and then I watched the movie of wild and that book and movie kind of revolve around her shoes in a lot of ways because she's learning and this film does better a better job in like 5 minute sequence of like showing like hey if you have waterproof boots you're kind of fucking unstoppable and if they aren't waterproof uh <laughs> and it gets cold and rainy outside you better have some plastic yeah. bags, cause that shit is gonna get nasty. Yeah, that that whole sequence, that whole sequence in the woods when they're like completely and utterly fucking lost, is really gut wrenching to watch her go through that and just basically be like, "Dad, like." I'm cold and wet and we don't know where the fuck we're going. And she's like, not a girl who what complains is going like on my
0: like feet are now. tired. So when she finally starts mm-hmm. saying like, no. I'm tired, I'm just going to sit down. I was like, no, no, that's not good at all. <laughs> because this isn't a
2: kid at Disney World. Yeah. This is- and, and you can tell, you can tell his reaction too is like, oh shit, okay, your feet are wet okay, let me see what's going on here. Okay. And like immediately like goes into survival yeah. mode. You know, it's like we have to move or we have to stop. It, we can't like make, can't chill it, here you, for 15 you can't minutes. go. in yeah. the middle.
0: Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, I was in boy scouts. And so a lot of the things that happened in this movie, I was like, Hey, I know how to do that. I could, I, <laughs> I wouldn't want to. And I probably would die much sooner than these people will. But like, I, I knew everything <laughs> they were doing and I was like, it's great that this movie isn't doing that thing where like a guy puts two sticks next to some rocks and then clicks two rocks together. And suddenly he has a bonfire. Like this movie is (laughs) very process oriented. And I had a wilderness survival merit badge, I think is what it was. And like, we had to like go out into the woods and build a lean to and, and spend the night under it. And that's intense. (laughs) It was not intense. It was under a lean to, I don't know in what that tense?
2: means,
0: Frank. <laughs> like, do you get it? I got one? a, a lean-to. You, but it's not in tents. It's under a lean-to. Ben am Foster I, am I missing made a wordplay here. in this movie. It was <laughs> okay. not okay. a tent right, that you fine. also no, use no for walls. camping. No walls. <laughs> anyway. Okay. No so, walls. <laughs> yes. So, and, right. and on that camping trip, when we had to do that, it, it dropped to below freezing and rained. And many people who did not make lean-tos well enough ended up having to, like, huddle together and try to start a fire and all this. It was a harrowing night that I will never forget because mine was the only lean-to that was vaguely impermeable to water. And so watching that happen in this movie, Humble I was back. like, look, man, <laughs> I didn't take the cheap shortcuts. I was, I was weirdly invested <laughs> in it because they'd come over and it would be like, all right, we're going to shine this flashlight and if any light gets through, it's not waterproof. And so people will be like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to get like the biggest leaves I can find, shine my own flashlight first, and patch the holes because it wasn't supposed to rain that night. But it did. A lot of people got really cold and really wet. And we ended up like heating up rainwater over like the world's smallest fire and drinking it to keep warm. Anyway, so all of that to say that when he starts making that lean to, I was like, God damn, when you're like making a lean to, that's when you know shit's gone bad. Like, that's how bad it's gotten. And he was setting that thing up just so fast. Like, just that verisimilitude, and you know, coupled with my own knowledge, like, that was a harrowing scene.
3: Brian, I look forward to your naked and afraid episode.
0: <laughs> uh, we were teenagers, <laughs> so it will be reasonably close. We did
3: do the soldado,
2: so. <laughs>
0: get past the sensors
3: I feel like my biggest survival skill takeaway from this was like ooh therapy dogs look really good what if I told my (laughs) landlord I need a therapy
0: dog good work Michael (laughs) Uh, All right, you can't put me in the woods I'll die (laughs) city boy you won't make it
1: Jared would you live in the woods like could you live in the woods I, I enjoy camping for like a weekend Maybe a week N- I, I don't think I can live there right. <laughs> Bill, I don't need electricity But I need shelter
0: Bill I assume you can probably like <laughs> wrestle a bear right
2: um, As long as I have Toilet paper I'm good
3: <laughs> Alright Sure I'd be like Aziz in uh, Parks and
0: Rec Where he goes okay. glamping DJ Roomba <laughs> into the forest uh, any final thoughts or ideas related to this movie that we want to air out before we say goodbye? I'm good. Bees. Good movie.
3: Terrifying. Good we'll move. See it. Dale Dickie's great. Put her in a lead role.
0: Yeah, she's yes. fantastic. Alright, so anyway. Put her in a Marvel movie. <laughs> oh, shut yeah, up. How no. long do we have to wait for Granik to get her her, her yeah. what's a Marvel character? <laughs> Craven the Hunter. <laughs> what the fuck? Ooh, squirrel squirrel squirrel. Girl. Oh my god! Yeah. Yes. <laughs> girl,
2: that's already going to TV. Oh, so it doesn't
0: matter. DC is doing like twenty-seven versions of the Joker. So
3: Wait, Joaquin Phoenix is the Joker because no, we're not talking about comic books. God damn it! We almost Let's talk made about it. A Birds of episode. prey. What is it? <laughs> i don't know no 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 oh <laughs> if we're talking about that old wb show no that WB
0: show. <laughs> no it's the thing with the people and they're it's like it's like suicide squad but it's all women or something i don't know tweet at us tell us what birds of prey means anyway that's it for today no i, f- I found it it is a wb show but it's it's a movie. It doesn't matter. We're not talking about Moving this. This on. is over.
2: two thousand two no, to
0: two thousand three. <laughs> Trace, Deborah Granick, Thomason McKenzie for best actress, Ben Foster, best supporting actor. He'd probably be a lead, right? Okay. Yep. Best lead actor. Best lead actress. Let's just have them with stages. That
3: matters more than the Oscars what would, anyway. What would
0: this even qualify for in the stages? I don't know. It's our fucking award yeah, show. Yeah, we'll make a brand new thing. <laughs> make <somebody> Best Ben <laughs> Foster and Thomas and Mackenzie two-hander. Um, so that's it for today. Thank you for enduring this weird wrap-up of ours. Uh, again, as always, find us on the uh, the 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 Twitter. Michael, thank you so much for sending the IMDb link to <laughs> Birds of Prey. Really needed it. Jesus
2: Christ. I, I thought that might be what that was. Uh, I know you guys miss me. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: hate everything. Uh, yeah, find us on Twitter at Film Stage Show. Facebook, The Film Stage Show. Go to Patreon.com slash The Show and give us your money. In addition, uh, movie like we said, currently doing the long take. And you can watch four hours and ten minutes of Love Diaz. You can watch Victor
3: low cinema
0: Uh. (laughs) norte the end of history uh you also got victoria from germany and um yeah that's uh those are the big ones that are on the new or that are on the new platform that are new on the platform and don't forget (laughs) to go see coda go to coda.movie.com to see where it is playing and when it is playing and when it's playing by you so that's that Gentlemen, let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time we talk. Uh, I believe that next week we're going to try to talk about Sorry to Bother You. Is that correct? Yeah? Yep. good? Cool? Wait, what's the the name of the movie? Great movie.
3: No, but what are you bothering me about?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Okay. There's plenty of hitmen in Chicago, right? I could probably find a guy... It's so hot Michael's here. I'll die the from heat. For when, like when,
2: did you, when, when did when did you turn into Dave Chen? Oh,
0: I was gonna say. Oh, I was no. gonna say Griffin Newman from Blank Check.
3: Oh, I, I'll take Griffin. D- Dave Chen. We had have a conversation about my behavior. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, this is us insulting other podcasters who we might one day want to work with in some way. So, that's how you know we reached the end. Let's tell everyone at home where we could be found between now and the next time. Jared. Uh,
1: I'm Twitter, I guess. Uh, Jared Mo- at Jared Mobark.
0: All right. And of course, you and uh, everyone else here writes for the
2: filmstage.com. Uh, Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at cablebfg, and you can find me looking at prices of waterproof boots and probably it's being outraged day, at the cost. <laughs> it yeah. is Prime Day. I wonder if I can get some real cheap. If not, hmm. you just
0: get some with Gore-Tex, and then you get some of that brush-on waterproofing stuff.
2: Anyway, uh, all, got all Prime I need day. Got to Prime know day. is I need I need like a little. A little package, full uh or waterproof package to put my uh my toilet paper in. That's All that's housed. what I need.
0: Naked and afraid. Too much toilet
3: well, paper to talk. Uh um, my Uh you can find me on Twitter at at Snydell or Letterboxd, uh and uh hopefully I won't become a hermit.
0: Yes, let us hope that. <laughs> You can find me, as always, on Twitter, at Brian J. Rowan, my personal site to your film.net. Uh, find me on Letterboxd, Instagram, and all the other nonsense, at Brian J. Rowan, because I, as always, am deeply uncreative with screen names. And, of course, as I said previously, you can find all of us at com. writing, and also that's where all these other episodes and stuff are. ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for joining us and join us next week when we will be talking about a motion picture by boots riley entitled (laughs) quote sorry to bother you end quote